Chapter Three of The Prelude to Adventure by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: The Body Comes to Town. One. And after all, he slept, slept dreamlessly. He woke to the comfortable, accustomed voices of Mrs. Ridge, his bedmaker, and Miss Annette, her assistant. It was a cold, frosty morning. The sky showed through the window a cloudless blue. He could hear the deep bass voice of Mrs. Ridge in her favorite phrase, "'Well, I don't think, Miss Annette, you won't get over me,' and Miss Annette's mildly submissive, "'I should think not, indeed, Mrs. Ridge.' Lying back in bed, he surveyed, with a mild wonder, the fact that he had thus easily slept. He felt, moreover, that that body had already, in the division of today from yesterday, lost much of its haunting power in the clean freshness of the day in the comfort of the casual voices of the two women in the other room in the smell of the coffee yesterday's melodrama seemed incredible it had never happened soon he would see from his window carfax's hulking body cross the court no it was real enough only it did not concern him he watched it as a spectator indifferent callous there was a change in his life but it was a change of another kind in the strange consciousness that he now had of some vast and vital presence the temporal fact of the thing that he had done lost all importance there was something that he had got to find to discover if and the possibility seemed large now in the air of this brilliant morning he were after all to escape he would not rest until he had made his discovery some new life was stirring within him he wanted now to fling himself amongst men he would play football he would take his place in the college he would test everything leave no stone unturned no longer a cynical observer he would be an adventurer if they would let him alone he got out of bed stripped and stood over his bath the cold air beat upon his skin he rejoiced in the sense of his fitness in the movement of his muscles in the splendid condition of his body if this were to be the last day of his freedom it should at any rate be a splendid day he had his bath flung on a shirt and trousers and went into his sitting-room bright now with the morning sun so that the blue bowls and the red tiles shone and even the dark face of egidius was lighted with the gleam mrs ridge was short and stout with white hair a black bonnet and the deepest of voices her eagerness to deliver herself of all the things that she wanted to say prevented full stops and commas from being of any use to her miss annette was admirably suited as a companion being long thin and silent and intended by nature to be subservient to the more masterful of her sex with any man she was able easily to hold her own with mrs ridge she was bending bowed humility mrs ridge grinned like a dog at the appearance of olva good morning sir and a nice frosty cold sort of day it is with miss annette just breaking one of your cups sir her hands being that cold and a cup being an easy thing to slip out of it and as you must admit yourself sir poor miss annette is that distressed miss annette did indeed look downcast i can't think she began it's quite all right miss annette said olva i think it's wonderful that you break the things as seldom as you do the china was of no kind of value 
it was known in the college that mr doone was the only gentleman of whom mrs ridge could be said to be afraid she was proud of him and frightened of him she said to miss annette when that lady made her first appearance and i can tell you miss annette that you need never ave no fear of being introduced to royalty one of these days after being with that mr doone because it puts you in practice i can tell you and a nice-spoken gentleman he is and quiet never does a thing he shouldn't but wicked under it all i'll be bound he's no chicken you take it from me born yesterday i don't think the women faded away and he was left to himself after breakfast he thought that he would write to his father and give him an account of the thing that he had done if he escaped suspicion he would tear it up also he was determined on two things one was that if he were accused of the crime he would at once admit everything the other was that he would do his utmost until he was accused to lead his life exactly as though he were in no way concerned he had now an odd assurance that it was not by his public condemnation that he was intended to work out the results of his act why was he so assured of that what was it that was now so strangely moving him he faced the world armed resolved it seemed to him that it was important for him now to live this was the first moment of his life that existence had appeared to be of any moment he wanted time to continue his search he wrote to his father my dear father i have just been arrested on the charge of murdering an undergraduate here called carfax it is quite true that i killed him we met yesterday in the country quarrelled and i struck him hitting him on the chin he fell instantly breaking his neck he was much of the worst kind i had known him at rugby he was always a beast of the lowest order he was ruining a fellow here taking his money making him drink doing for him also ruining a girl in a tobacconist's shop all this was no business of mine but we had always loathed one another i think when i hit him i wanted to kill him i am not in any way sorry except that suddenly i do not want to die you are the only person in the world for whom i care you will understand i have not disgraced the name it was killing a rat i think that you had better not come to see me i face it better alone we have gone along well together you and i i send you my love good-bye olva as he finished it he wondered would this be sent would they come for him perhaps at this moment they had found the body he put the letter carefully in the pocket of his shirt then suddenly he was confronted with the risk suppose that he were to be taken ill to faint to forget the thing no the letter must wait they would allow him to write if the time came he took the letter flung it into the fire watched it burn he felt as though in the writing of it he had communicated with his father the old man would understand two about eleven o'clock craven came to see him craven's father had been a fellow of trinity and professor of chinese to the university he had died some five years ago and now the widow and young craven's sister lived in cambridge craven had tried during his first term to make a friend of olva but his happy eager attitude to the whole world had seemed crude and even priggish to olva's reserve and all craven's overtures had been refused quietly kindly but firmly 
craven had not resented the repulse it was not his habit to resent anything and as the year had passed ulva had realized that craven's impetuous desire for the friendship of the world was something in him perfectly natural and unforced ulva had discovered also that craven's devotion to his mother and sister was the boy's leading motive in life ulva had only seen the girl margaret once she had been finishing her education in dresden and he remembered her as dark reserved aloof opposite indeed from her brother's cheerful good fellowship but for rupert craven this girl was his world she was obviously cleverer more temperamental than he and he felt this and bowed to it these things ulva liked in him and had the boy not been so intimate with cardiac and carfax ulva might have made advances craven took a man of the carfax type with extreme simplicity he thought his geniality and physical strength excused much coarseness and vulgarity he was still young enough to have the public school code the most amazing thing in the history of the british nation and because carfax bruised his way as a forward through many football matches and fought a policeman on parker's piece one summer evening rupert craven thought him a jolly good fellow carfax also had had probably at the bottom of his dirty ignoble soul more honest affection for craven than for any one in the world he had tried to behave himself in that ingenuous youth's company now young craven disturbed unhappy anxious stood in ulva's door i say doon i hope i'm not disturbing you not a bit it's a rotten time to come craven came in and sat down i'm awfully worried worried y yes about carfax no one knows what's happened to him he may have gone up to town of course but if he did he went without an exit thompson saw him go out about two-thirty yesterday afternoon was going to grantchester because he yelled it back to cards who asked him where he was off to not been heard or seen since oh he's sure to be all right olva said easily he's up in town yes i expect he is but i don't know that that makes it any better there's some woman he's been getting in a mess with i know didn't say anything to me about it but i heard of it from cards well olva slowly lit his pipe there's something else too he was always in with a lot of these roughs in the town stable men and the rest he used to get tips from them he always said and he had awful rows with some of them before now you know what a temper he's got especially when he's been drinking at all i shouldn't wonder if he hadn't a fight one fine day and get landed on the chin or something and left oh carfax can look after himself all right he's used to that kind of company Olva gazed through the smoke of his pipe dreamily into the fire you don't like him craven said suddenly Olva turned slowly in his chair and looked at him why what makes you say that something carfax told me the other day we were sitting one evening in his room and he suddenly said to me you know there is one fellow in this place who hates me like poison always has hated me i asked him who it was and he said it was you i was immensely surprised because i'd always thought you very good friends as good friends as you ever are with any one doon you don't exactly take any of us to your breast you know doon smiled no i think i've made a mistake in keeping so much alone it looks as though i thought myself so damned superior but i assure you carfax was is quite wrong we've been friendly enough all our days 
no said craven slowly i don't think you do like him i've watched you since he's an awfully good fellow really at heart you know i do hope things are all right i sent off a wire to his uncle in town half an hour ago to ask whether he were there i don't know why i'm so anxious it's all right of course but i'm uneasy well you're quite wrong about my disliking carfax olva went on and i think altogether it's about time i came off my perch for one thing i'm going to take up rugger properly oh but that's splendid will you play against st martin's to-morrow it will relieve lawrence like anything if you will they've got cards worcester and tundrell and they want a fourth three badly my word dunn that would be splendid we'll have you a blue after all a little late for that i'm afraid not a bit of it they keep on changing the threes of course cards is having a good shot at it but he isn't down against the harlequins on saturday and mighty sick he is about it craven got up to go well i must be moving perhaps carfax is back in his rooms there may be word of him anyway olva's pipe was out the match-box on the mantelpiece was empty he felt in his pocket for the little silver box that he always carried it was a box with the dune arms stamped upon it that his father had given to him he had it he remembered yesterday when he set out on his walk he felt in all his pockets these were the clothes that he was wearing yesterday perhaps it was in his bedroom he went in to look and craven meanwhile watched him from the door what have you lost nothing it was not in the bedroom he felt in the overcoat that he had been wearing it was not there oh nothing it's a matchbox of mine it must have dropped out of a pocket sorry i dare say it will turn up well see you later craven vanished then suddenly put his head in round the door oh i say dune come in to supper to-morrow night home i mean my sister's back from dresden and i'd like you to know her i'm sure you'll get on thanks very much i'd like to come olva stood in the centre of the room his hands clenched his face white he must have dropped the box in the wood he had it on his walk he had lit his pipe of course they would find it here then was the end now for the first time the horror of death came upon him filling the room turning it black killing the fire the colour his body was frozen with horror already his throat was choking his eyes burning the room swung slowly round him turning turning they shan't take me they shan't take me his face was cruel his mouth twisted he saw the little silver box lying there open exposed upon the grass glittering against the dull green he turned to the window with desperate hunted eyes already he fancied that he heard their steps upon the stair he stood his body flung back his hands pressing upon the table they shan't take me they shan't take me the door turned slowly opened it was mrs ridge with a duster he gave a little sigh and rolled over tumbling back against the chair unconscious three there sir now i do hope as how you be all right too much book work that's what it is but if a doctor olva was lying in his chair now very pale his eyes closed no thank you mrs ridge it's all right now thank you quite all right yes i'm ready for lunch very silly of me mrs ridge departed to fetch the luncheon dish from the college kitchens and to tell the porter thompson all about it on the way 
poor young gentleman there he was as you might say white as a sheet all of a heap i gave me a turn as i can assure you mr thompson his lunch was untasted it seemed to him that he had now lost all power of control he could only face the inevitable fact of his approaching capture the sudden discovery of the loss of the matchbox had clanged the facts about his ears with the discordant scream of closing gates he was captured caught irretrievably like a rat in a trap he did not wish to be caught like a rat in a trap this was a free world air light colour were about him on every side to die fighting on a hilltop in a battlefield that was one thing to see them crowding into his room to be dragged into a dark airless place to be caught by the neck and then throttle mrs ridge cleared away the lunch with much shaking of the head olva lay in his chair watching with eyes that never closed nor stirred the crackling golden fire beyond the window the world was of blue steel he could fancy the still gleaming waters of the lake that stretched beyond the grass lawns he could fancy the red brick of the buildings that clung like some frieze to the horizon along the stone courtyard rang the heavy footfall boots of men going to the upper fields he could see their red and blue jerseys their short blue trousers their tight stockings the healthy swing of their bodies as they tramped men would be going down to the river now freshmen would be hearing reluctantly some of them with tears the coarse and violent criticism of the third-year men who were tabbing them all the world was moving he was surrounded there in his silent room with an amazing sense of life he seemed to realize for the first time what it was that cambridge was doing all this physical life marching through the cold bright air strength poetry the great stir and enthusiasm of the young blood of the world and he waiting for those steps on the stair for those grim faces in the open door the world left him alone as the afternoon advanced the tramp of the footballers was no longer heard silence bound by the shining frost of the beautiful day lay about the grey buildings soon a melody of thrumming kettles would rise into the air in every glowing room tea would be preparing the glorious luxury of rest after stinging exercise would fill the courts with worship unconsciously driven skywards to the powers of health and then after years of time as it seemed faintly through the closed window at last came the single note of st martin's bell that meant that it was quarter to five almost unconsciously he rose put on his cap and gown and passed through the twilit streets that were stealing now into a dim glow under their misty lamps the great chapel of st martin's planted like some couchant animal grey and mysterious against the blue of the evening sky flung through its windows the light of its many candles he found a seat at the back of the dark high-hanging antechapel he was alone there towards the inner chapel the white-robed choir moved softly for a moment the curtains were drawn aside revealing the misty candlelight within the white choir passed through the curtains fell again leaving olva alone with the great golden trumpeting angels above the organ for his company then great peace came upon him someone had taken his soul softly with gentle hands and was caring for it he was suddenly freed from responsibility 
and as the soothing comfort stole about him he knew that now he had simply to wait to be shown what it was that he must do this was not the strange indifference of yesterday nor the physical strength of the morning peace such peace as he had never before known had come to him from the heart of the darkness up into the glowing beauty of the high roof the music rose it was wednesday afternoon and the voices were unaccompanied soon the insani e vani climbed in wave after wave of melody was caught held lingered in the air softly died again ova was detached he saw his body beaten imprisoned tortured killed but he was not there he was riding heaven in quest of god four at the gates of his college the news met him he had been waiting for it so long a time that now he had to act his horror it seemed to him an old old story this tale of a murder in sanit wood groups of men were waiting in the cloisters waiting for the doors to open for hall as ulva came towards the gates an undergraduate white breathless brushed past him and burst into the quiet murmuring groups my god have you heard ulva passed through the iron gates the groups broke he had the impression of many men standing back black in the dim light waiting listening there was an instant's silence then the man's voice breaking into a shrill scream the news came tumbling out it seemed to flash a sudden glare upon the darkness it's carfax carfax he's, he's been murdered the word was tossed caught flung against the stone pillars murder 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 they've just brought his body in now found it in sanit wood this evening a working man found it been there two days his neck was broken the mysterious groups scattered into strange, fantastic shapes. There was a pause, and then a hundred voices began at once. Someone spoke to Olva, and he answered, his voice low and stern, on every side confusion. Before himself, like steel armor encasing his body, was the strange calm, aloof, unmoved, dispassionate, that had come to him half an hour ago. He was alone, like God. End of chapter 3